welcome to The Near Memo, a weekly conversation about search, social, and commerce. What happened, why it matters, and the implications for local. Everybody, welcome back to The Near Memo with me, Greg, Mike Blumenthal, and today our very special guest, Curtis Boyd, who's the founder of the Transparency Company. This is episode 128, if you can believe it. And next week, we're going to have another special guest, Perna Virgi, who is the author of a new book on content marketing. Um, and that's going to be a, an exciting interview. So you'll want to tune in for that as well. But let's dive into this topic today, which is about review fraud, spam reviews, fake reviews, and all the issues surrounding that very complicated topic. And Curtis is an expert. So, um, and Mike is an expert and I am to a lesser degree um, about this topic, but it's something that um, is near and dear to my heart. Curtis and I co-authored a report uh, a couple of years ago, which was the first one to comprehensively look at review fraud on Google, uh, Facebook, Yelp, and TripAdvisor. And we can... Um, provide copies of that to people who might be interested. It's now a couple of years old, but I think it's an interesting report for background. So Curtis, why don't you tell us a little bit about the transparency company and how you got into this uh, very specific um, role that you're in, uh, policing review fraud and fake reviews. Yeah, I'd be happy to. And thanks for having me, you guys. Uh, so my name is Curtis Boyd. I'm the founder of the transparency company. It's a consumer protection technology company. Um, aimed at detecting fake online reviews. The goal is to help consumers decide which businesses have earned their reviews versus the businesses that pay for fake online reviews. As research has shown that businesses with real online reviews provide better outcomes, better experiences. I got into this serving businesses many years ago. Um, when I was a student nurse, I learned uh, how to remove fake reviews for doctors ended up <clears throat> switching out of nursing into reputation management, served hundreds, over a thousand businesses on how to remove fake negative reviews. And while I was serving these businesses, I realized that most fake reviews online weren't negative that impacted my business customers. They were positive that impacted consumers. And there was nothing out there protecting consumers from the situation that was going on um, presently and still getting worse. Uh, that is how I got into this. Um, I ended up building a product that can detect fake online reviews and, you know, started uh, pitching various organizations and, and regulators uh, in the U.S. government and started working on making uh, a change and start, started working on making consequences for businesses who cheat online. And it's, I'm still working on that today. So, Curtis, give us a little insight into the into the signals, factors, variables that your technology looks at to identify review fraud. Absolutely. So we look into every aspect that we can in regards to content and the profiles themselves and all of the profiles and reviews collectively uh, looking for trends. So I'll start with content. Um, you know, before ChatGPT, a lot of reviewers uh, or fraudsters would just steal content. They would duplicate it, right? They would change out the names of the business and they would just copy and paste. Um, and uh, they would also write, if they were doing it themselves, they would write the reviews uh, off of across multiple profiles. Um, we would look at stuff like sentiment analysis and, you know, the use of exclamation points. We'd look at their, you know, how, how, 
um, efficient of a writer they were. All, lots of fun little stuff to see if it was the same author or what have you. Um, going on, we, we did a lot of content checks and then we realized that it's a lot easier to look at behavior. So we would look at profiles. Who else are they writing reviews for? What type of business categories are they? What's the time and, and the spacing between these reviews? Um, did they do it all at once and then never touch the account again? Or, or does it look a, a pure organic and, you know, they're, they're writing reviews a little bit more regularly. Um, and we, 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 we formulated basically, I don't know. I would say we're probably up to about 110 different metrics that we actually look for um, when making a prediction on whether these reviews are real and fake. But um, yeah, now that ChatGPT is around, a lot of the fraudsters are using that to come up with content, um, which makes it a little bit harder, but also a little bit easier because ChatGPT <laughs> content kind of looks all the same. Um, but that, that, that's just my opinion uh, anyway. But um, that being said, uh, we, also, uh, we also look at the impression counts um, for how many consumers have actually read these reviews and are starting to measure the impact of, uh, of these harmful reviews and are providing uh, reporting on that too. We, we here at uh, Near Media and the Near Memo have talked a lot about review fraud, and Mike has written pretty extensively on the subject. You know, we have a sense, an anecdotal sense, that it's pretty widespread, even though Google has been stepping up its enforcement efforts. Can you, can you give us a sense of, you know, whatever your best kind of estimate or recent metric is around the, the degree of review fraud or review spam on Google? What, how, how, how big a problem is it? Oh, it's massive. Um, you know, the last four, I may, believe maybe even five years, Google has disclosed a 20% year-over-year increase in fake reviews that they've detected. Um, so that alone is, is pretty massive. Uh, the last, in 2022, being 110 million uh, fake reviews being, or or uh, illegitimate reviews being removed off of Google maps. Um, that's 280,000 fake reviews per day being removed that they've identified. And in my opinion, it's, it's the tip of the iceberg, really. It's most, most of these reviews, in my opinion, aren't being identified. They're not being properly moderated and they are impacting consumer spending decisions on who they're going to work with, who they're going to sign the checks to and what they're going to buy. Um, it, I think it's I think it's getting worse each and every year, and the fact that Google reports a twenty percent increase year over year supports that. So let's assume though that there's a twenty percent increase in unreported fake reviews. The reality is that they are limited to certain categories, much more so than other categories, right? I mean, you just I mean one issue is that. Certain types of businesses get a lot more organic, real reviews, so it's more difficult to have a fake review process in that context. The other is that there's a lot more motivation in certain categories. So I think it's important that people understand this isn't every business, every review. It's a high amount of fake reviews on a certain limited number of businesses. Well, let's talk about the categories that you just mentioned, Mike. Where, where, Curtis, where do you see, and Mike, feel free to opine on this. Where do you see the concentration of review fraud going on in Google? Uh, honestly, it's it's everywhere. Not absolutely everywhere, but you see it a lot in the home service industry, in the medical, in the legal, um, and in the high ticket 
the high ticket stuff, you see it a lot um, as, you know, positive sentiment impacts uh, conversion for businesses. It, it, you know, it's particularly bad personal injury lawyers, criminal defense lawyers, uh, any type of outpatient surgery, like laser eye surgery, cosmetic surgery, dermatology, um, in the home service industry, garage doors, locksmiths, right? HVAC plumbing. It's terrible out there. And I mean, terrible. What used to be what we used to see, you know, back in 2021 and, you know, from 10 to 15% in 2023 now has easily doubled, easily doubled. So is it the case that, that review fraudsters um, are, have some number of normal organic reviews and they're supplementing that with um, purchase reviews or, or spam reviews in some way? Or is it the case that people that are doing this, most of their review content is going to be spam? Are they cheating a little bit or are they, is it, is it, you know, the, are the bad guys have mostly bad, mostly fake reviews? Do you understand, I, you understand what I'm asking, Curtis? Yes, I believe I do. Um, what I see on a lot of these is that the mo mostly bad, it's mostly fake reviews, right? Mostly, like 80% purchased versus 20% maybe organic, right? Um, they're all, all of them are, not all of them, but a lot of them are overtly fake. And they're using this strategy and, and creating, you know, listings outside of their, their, where they actually work. And they're trying to garner more business uh, using, using Google Maps, right? Using uh, various, uh, various methods that they can, um, you know, get more, get more clicks, get more impressions, create more listings, put more fake reviews on those listings, knowing that, you know, right now there's not a whole lot of consequences, um, for them to, to do that. And that's, that's the goal to change. That's what we're hoping to change. How, how common a problem is recently we've, we've seen examples of review extortion where people write negative reviews and then they contact a business and they threaten to flood them with more negative reviews unless they pay. How common yeah. a problem is that? And and how recently has that started? I mean, Mike, if you have any perspective on that, I know you've had a lot of anecdotal experience with that. It it's didn't daily. Seem, it didn't seem like this was, it didn't seem like this was happening that, you know, until pretty recently, last few years. Yeah, beyond extortion, it's often competitors hiring a third party to reduce the visibility or the appeal of a of a strong competitor. I mean, yep. I frequently get calls from people and, and this is most common again in the home services where they're being attacked with multiple reviews per day for a period of months at on end and uh, where it's not so much for payment, but for uh, black hat efforts to try and denigrate a competitor. Yep. Yeah, uh, fake negative reviews is really an upsell to fake positive reviews. Um, they they sell them for a little bit higher. Uh, at first, normally businesses will, that purchase fake positive reviews, they say, "How how's this going? This is going pretty good." Okay, how how, how we're going to try and upsell them? How would you like to purchase some fake negative reviews for your competitors? And before you know it, a few of their top competitors that rank a little bit higher organically, or whether it's on LSA. They're now getting hit regularly with fake negatives, and it's a it's a it's a huge problem.
in a few I, minutes. I we're... actually interviewed a, a client of mine who found out who the competitor was, and he actually invited him out to lunch. And the competitor said, oh, I was doing this. When he asked why he was doing it to him, the competitor said he was doing it because he thought my client was doing it to him. So somebody else was was buying fake reviews for this competitor. The competitor then went out and bought fake reviews for my client because he thought it was him. So it's a never-ending cycle of retribution. It's kind of like blood, you know, uh, Yes, we're going to get we're going to get into what you can do to respond to this in a couple of minutes. But for the sort of last question in this discussion of kind of the state of where things are, you mentioned Curtis LSA's local services ads. We've seen an increasing number of fake reviews in those. Can you give us a sense of of how prevalent that is? Oh, it is so bad. It's so bad. And I think we all, like everyone in this industry knows how bad it is, but if I, it's, it's terrible. It's really terrible. Um, for there are certain industries where it's really, really horrible. Um, garage door locksmiths, right? I mean, the top they've, they've gamed that entire, uh, ad, ad network to the point where that you can't really compete on there anymore. You can't, you can't get access to those, to those leads. Um, it's, it's terrible. I know real businesses who are suffering, like truly suffering because of what's going on there. Um, that being said, uh, you know, the top three spots in most of the major home service industries, as well as legal, in my opinion, are, are made up of 90 plus percent fake reviews. It's, it's that bad. It's, <laughs> it's really bad out there. The tragedy of that whole thing, Greg, is that Google does not have anywhere near the same level of review monitoring sophistication that they have now built in GBP. For whatever reason, LSA is using a different filtering system that is just not capable of virtually any filtering. And only recently did they stop the ability for people to leave non-verified uh, reviews, which will make some impact, but they haven't made any effort to take down all of the unverified reviews that have existed up to this time. So the tragedy is really that Google's left hand doesn't know what their right hand is doing. They should have, you know, joined forces on review monitoring. They didn't. And LSA is a shit show. Well, one of the things that we discovered in some of our near media research for clients is that um, beyond the fact that, you know, reaffirming the fact that consumers really rely very, very heavily on reviews, we found out that when LSAs are present, which isn't always the case, they really have a profound impact on consumer clicks. Consumers click on them. They see the Google screened or Google guaranteed badge. They tend to, to be drawn to those because of their position, the presence of reviews. And they, they don't, in many instances, they don't know their ads. And so they respond to those and then they go into the, into the, LSA finder, and they often make a choice out of those listings. So they're very, very potent and effective when they appear for Google and for whoever is the lucky recipient of the clicks. In this, in this case, maybe fraudsters. But let's let's turn now to the question of what to do if you're a business or you're an agency working on behalf of clients whose customers are getting spammed or or hit with negative review attacks, or you're trying to, you're, you're an honest 
player and you're how do you how do you deal with all of this mike do you want to chat on that well i mean obviously i focus largely on google these can occur any place although google and in terms of local well, business, let's just let's just say that impactful. by by way of disclaimer, let's just say we're focused on Google. Google is the most influential, right. aside from Amazon. Google is the most influential review platform. So we, it's happening on Yelp, it's happening on Facebook, it's happening on TripAdvisor, it's happening elsewhere. But we're really focused on Google in this right. discussion. So go ahead. So a business needs to be monitoring their reviews on a regular basis. They need to know every review that's coming and going. They need to sort of store those for historical records, because if you want to recover a missing review, you need to know the content, the username. As an example, with Google, they won't look it up for you, even though they could. So first thing is you need to be monitoring through a third party service that captures every review, good, bad or indifferent. Um, you then need to, you know, I mean, I believe every business should be asking for reviews from the real customers just to make sure that there's an influx of positive reviews. But when you start getting attacked with fake reviews, Google has finally implemented a sort of formal form that you can use if you can provide them with, you know, like a list of the reviews that have been coming in. There's a form, you go to support, you fill it in, and then there's an appeal process. And then what they don't tell you is that that's sort of like level one and level two of review. But if you really want an additional level, you then take the case number and the links to the reviews to the Google Business Profile Forum, and their product experts have two opportunities to, uh, you know, have those reviewed again. And when those are reviewed, it appears to me that they're reviewed by a higher level staff. So the first time they get reviewed, it's somewhat automatic. The second time, though, a BE can then make one final uh, request to have them looked at by a human. And, and if they are truly fake, my experience is that once you drive through those four steps, the percentage of getting them down is pretty good, but you got to know that there's those steps there and many people don't. And, and Curtis, um, you know, this, this is not a, we didn't have you on to, to pitch the transparency company, but just <laughs> because you're an expert, because you're an expert on this topic, but let me, let me ask you, how do you, you know, for, for clients that you work with, how do you address the issue of, of review attacks or, or yeah. fraud, spam that they're dealing with? What, what, is, what does your service do for them? Yeah, we do a marketplace analysis. We scan the entire market for a particular keyword or keywords, and we, we scan everyone, right? So using our own software, we're able to find out who has fake positive reviews. Um, if someone's being attacked with negative reviews, we can usually find the culprit by searching for someone with fake positives because it's a, it's normally an upsell. So we can we can usually break, break, uh, identify the top one or top two culprits of who who are likely to have done it. That being said, I completely agree with Mike. If you're serious about wanting to remove fake positive reviews for competitors or fake negative reviews for your own business, Google uh, the the Google. Um, product experts is the way to go. At the transparency company, we hire product experts to help with those case ex es escalations regularly. And uh, that's, from my opinion, that's where we see the most results. Uh, it takes a little bit longer. Sometimes it, it's fast, but sometimes it, it could be a few weeks before things happen. But 
things do happen. Um, unfortunately with LSA, I filled out that form a million times and I still haven't seen much action there. Um, we have, uh, we were able to submit our software reports to the better business bureau and have a business businesses accreditation revoked and using that, uh, we were able to go to the LSA community manager and have a business ejected off of the LSA ad platform because their BBB accreditation was revoked. Uh, that has happened once in nine months. So it's not like we're, we're handing those out all day. Um, but that's the only thing we know of that works uh, so far. I would we'll just add one on the removal of fake, fake positive reviews from competitors. It is always best to have Google have orthogonal data inputs. So the first step is to go to what's called the redressal form, get a case number. And the form is poorly designed for reporting reviews, but you had to sort of jam it in, do that, and then take the case number to the forum with the case number for whatever reason. It makes it easier for the various entities to escalate the request for review, and it increases, it, it slows things down a little bit, but it increases the likelihood of success. Yeah. Um, so if you're, I will, we will include the link to the redressal form in That's, the that was show what notes. I that's what I was about to say. We on the uh, when this goes live on the on the uh, the page, we'll include all the relevant links for people. But this is this is totally a nightmare, um, you know, for for small business owners who are trying to do it uh, ethically, and they're confronted by others around them that are manipulating reviews. And the thing that we discovered. Um, in our last piece of research at Near Media, and this was part of the local SEO for good presentation that we did, is that um, of all the people, which is a majority that mentioned the importance of reviews, only about a third are actually reading them. What people rely upon are review volumes and star ratings, aggregate star ratings. So they're really just not looking at the body of reviews. So it's it's very difficult for consumers to tell if there's any kind of funny business going on. And this this only really su supports the efforts of the fraudsters, it seems. That was a statement, I guess. I agree with <laughs> it. A, a, a soliloquy. All right, so let's let's talk about let's talk about um, a little bit about what's going on with the FTC. This is a, this is a little bit of a, a parallel topic, but it's important for people to understand. Um, so the FTC has engaged in a rulemaking process. They're going from guidelines to rules and they're engaged in that process. And what are we likely to see when the rules are formulated? Either, either one of you. So just so people understand, a rule is a more limited set of conditions that allow the FTC to immediately impose a fine when somebody breaks it, unlike the guidelines, which require... Which is a voluntary... Well, it's a voluntary yeah, well, compliance and requires judicial agreement for the FTC to, you know, right. uh, place a fine. So in this new rule set, they're going after buyers and sellers of fake reviews and fake social uh, recognition. Endorsements and fake, fake testimonials. Right. So yep. they're focusing very heavily on buyers and sellers of fake reviews and making it quite clear that those behaviors are against the rule 
And with this rule in place, it will make them, you know, make it much easier uh, to impose significant fines against people who cheat on reviews. So. so they can't go after Google. They can't go after Yelp. They can't go after any of the platforms because of Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act. But they can go after third party vendors, software vendors, and they can go after they can go after companies that sell fake reviews or negative reviews, and they can go after the businesses that are engaged in purchasing them or disseminating them. But, but there's right. also largely is, is going to be ineffective because they still allow incentives. And as we know, incentives are a huge contributor to in, inflated reviews, which is as big of a problem as fake reviews. And well, it, it also doesn't really bring Amazon and Google's to heal. I mean, the bulk of the problem is on Amazon and Google. Those guys are largely immune. I do believe that Google responded last year to sort of bully pulpit, bully pulpit type communications from the FTC, which is why they've upped their review game. But they're still largely going to be functioning without significant oversight. And I, well, I don't know that the rules will solve much. Curtis, did you want to add something to that? Yeah, you know, um, uh, there's some language that I really like in the last uh, in the last ANPR that was drafted in August 29th. And ANPR ANPR stands for. Oh, it's basically a request for public comments. Um, okay. It's on the on the rule. On, yes. On the rule. Uh -huh. Yeah. Exactly. But from the from the FTC. That's correct. Yeah. So the FTC published uh, their second ANPR on August 29th. And there's some language on there that I really liked about how a business owner should have known about these their own fake reviews. It should help to increase accountability for businesses to just like Mike said, be accountable for every single review that comes in when the, you, you can't say anymore. Oh, I, I didn't know. I didn't know I had fake reviews. I didn't know we had fake reviews. This new rule will help enforce that every single review that you have online for your business is a part of your online advertising. It's part of your online marketing. And now you are, you are liable. You are accountable for, for um, making sure your own reviews are legitimate. So uh, there's also some other language in there that I, that I really like. Um, unfortunately, it appears big tech isn't going to be held accountable for anything, including their own moderation policies. But at least the FTC will have the means to start imposing fines against businesses directly. And at the end of the day, I think that's that's really what matters, because right now the equation is fake reviews, fake positive reviews equals more sales, more money. Right. And when that equation changes because of these fines to fake reviews equals fees, Fake reviews equals bad press, bad publicity. That's when we see st systemic change. And that's when we see the incidence of fake reviews uh, going down. So hopefully, a hopefully it can work. A related problem that most SEOs probably listening to this and most agencies listening to this podcast will already know about, but is important to mention is the, the end of review gating. Um, I believe it was earlier this year, it could have been last year, the FTC said no more review gating, meaning no more different treatment of positive and negative reviews. And a company called Hey Dude, which is a subsidiary of 
Crocs, the shoe company, just got spanked because they had an internal policy. They were working with a third party platform and they had an internal policy of publishing five star, four and five star reviews on their website and holding back uh, reviews that were less favorable than that and and treating those differently. And that's now a complete no, no. And they were fined almost two million dollars by the FTC, plus all the bad publicity, which may or may not impact their sales. Of a couple subtle things there. They were fined under rules against false advertising because they claimed that consumers would have two-day delivery. The FTC says if you claim that, you have to either provide it or give instant refunds. They didn't. So the actual fine came under the rule of false advertising. In addition, they were caught uh, not publishing all of their reviews, which is slightly different than gating. And But that's under the guideline. And the FTC, because they were able to impose a fine under the rule, didn't take that gating issue through the full uh, penalty processes. So while they did, it was something these guys were going to be held accountable for. Ultimately, the payment for the violation of advertising is what sort of resolved the whole thing, plus their agreement that they would stop uh, selective publishing of positive reviews. but the larger so point and the, the, yeah, the, the larger, larger point, point this is a yeah the, the larger point and fine. it's very important whether you're talking about your own website or whether you're talking about distributing reviews to third parties um, selectively asking for reviews you cannot treat positive and negative reviews differently now you have to be neutral on that topic anything not you just asking on publish moderation and publishing as well right so there's three aspects. When you ask, you can't favor. When you moderate, you can't favor. And when you publish, you can't favor. So there's three places where you right. could be violating this favoring positive reviews over negatives. You can't do it in any of those. And there are a lot of business owners who are probably engaged in some version of that that are unaware that they're in violation. And they may be quite innocent, but this is really something that they're their agencies and their technology companies working with them really need to be aware of and help enforce because it could get them into trouble depending upon their visibility. Both the business and the agency now are in targeted by the new guidelines. Yes. Okay. So in the last couple of minutes here, as we come up on the end of this, and we could certainly talk a lot more about specifics, but we we're sort of almost out of time is um, sort of forward looking discussion about what we think is going to happen. Do do either of you foresee any change at all for the better in the coming 12 to 24 months? Is there anything on the horizon that's going to improve the uh, state of review spam on Google or generally on the internet? I'm, I'm probably more hopeful than Mike might be. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that this new rule, once upon acted, is immediately enforced. And that being said, um, uh, I can't go into all the specifics, but let's just say there's plenty of data available for the regulators who are going into enforcement for this new rule. And uh, yeah, we're, we're hoping that the, all the new lawyers that the FTC recently hired within the Department of False Advertising are put to use and uh, are uh, going after these, uh, these offenders that this new law will cover. My sense of it and my opinion on it is uh, Curtis Guest is somewhat less sanguine. Um, 
The problem with FTC is a lack of resources and the widespread nature of the problem. So unless the states sort of buy into this and throw in some, you know, legal assistance, it's unlikely to have incredibly far-reaching impact. It may be enough to slow it down in the United States. Um, I have some hope. So, you know, I'm, I'm a realist about this. It may work. It may not. I'm, hope, I'm hoping that Curtis is right. In terms of Google, I think their new algorithm, which is AI-based, is much more sophisticated than it used to be. It looks at not just the content of the review, but the metadata of the review. It looks at the reviewer and their history, their associations, looks at the metadata of that reviewer, and it looks at the business. And hopefully that more sophisticated AI can ultimately be tuned to accurately identify fake reviews more consistently. And it ha- I think it has gotten better. Is it good enough? Absolutely not. So if you have faith in AI and Google's willingness to take the time to train the AI, there may be something hopeful in that. Maybe. And I, and I would add that the Digital Services Act in Europe, which is an anti-fraud, anti-counterfeiting um, rule regulation that is now in effect, is starting to have an impact on Google and other companies in Europe. And we're seeing some of the fruits of that in the United States. And so it's not, the DSA is a content moderation um, regulation and it it touches review fraud. And I think that there may be some activity over there that will help in the United States. And I think Google's uh, new algorithm is partly a response to these rules that they're now having to comply with in Europe. So I'm hopeful that even though we don't have these rules in the United States because of Section 230 and other issues that we've talked about, that we're going to get the benefit of some of the European regulation uh, if these companies are penalized or called out for too much spam, fraud, etc. But we'll see. Certainly in terms of appeals, we've seen so many more forms come out from Google and better workflows for dealing with them that are directly a result of DSA, that it provides businesses and consumers more options, for sure. Yes, and one one very concrete example of what I'm saying is in the unrelated case of the Apple 15, iPhone 15 USB-C charging port, nobody, almost nobody talked about the fact that the Europeans mandated that, and that's why Apple's doing it. Apple's not doing it because they suddenly the light bulb went off or this is more convenient for users. They're doing it because they're forced to by rules in Europe. But anyway, so I want to give you guys a, a sort of a final minute to say any any final thoughts or any recommendations or advice for people out there listening to this about things they can do, how to, how to, how to survive this kind of uh, uh, onslaught of uh, spam any any well, words words well, of wisdom of any kind? The only the only parting advice that I have um, is uh, if you're if you're serious about review fraud, it's that this consistent ah, the key is consistency, right? Not just giving up after uh, you know submitting it once, uh, you know, and smaller, more regular attempts to get this stuff off is is what I find best, and sticking with it, um, staying staying motivated to to go after it. Um, you know, and, and I always enjoy telling people to, you know, focus on their, 
they're providing a positive experience and you won't have to worry about all this stuff. Just focus on, focus on doing a good job and, and the rest of this stuff just comes so, so easily. So that's all I have for you. So that's good advice for the business. I would advise the consumer to actually read the negative reviews and assess them. We, in our research, as you pointed out, see that they very rarely do that. They think reviews are important. They view them as a mnemonic and as a quick way of picking out the winners. But I think that once they've done that, they should then dig in a little bit and look at the negative reviews, see if they can live with the negative, see if the reviews seem truthful enough, and take a little more time. If they're going to give them that much faith to reviews, realize that there's a lot of cheating going on and they need to be more skeptical. Read read the two star and one star reviews. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much, Curtis, for taking time out to talk to us. I think uh, you know, keep up the good fight. Um, it, there's you. a lot of work to be done in this area, and we'll we'll obviously this isn't the last we we'll be hearing from you. Wonderful. And thank so you, guys everybody. Both. Yeah. So everybody, thanks for listening. Tell your friends about the podcast and the uh, Near Media newsletter, and we will see you next time. Thanks for joining David, Mike, and Greg. To stay on top of the latest developments in local, subscribe to our newsletter at nearmedia.co. We'll see you next week.